Hello and welcome to Think About Eurovision, a Eurovision podcast with me, Chris, a fanatic from the UK. And me, Kim, a Eurovision newbie from Canada. Today we're going to be discussing the 2012 Eurovision Song Contest Grand Final in Baku, Azerbaijan. So, what were your first impressions? Okay, I loved it. Yes! Yes, 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 yes. I know that this is one of your favorites, and so um I thought I thought there was a good chance that I was going to really like it, and uh and I was right. Um there were a lot of songs that I liked in the other Eurovision contests that I have seen thus far. I found it quite easy to choose my top you know, my top one through three. And in this one, I had a very hard time choosing my favorites because I liked so many. You know, when you messaged me, you said I was having, you were having a hard time pick, pick, picking your favorites. I was like, oh God, she hates them all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really liked them. Now I will say that like, unlike the 2014 Netherlands submission, where it was a man and a woman like doughy eyed at each other singing sort of a bluegrass type of country song, which I immediately then, you know, got on Spotify because I loved this song so much. There were no songs in the 2012 Eurovision contest that I felt that level of affinity for that I would listen to in my everyday life. But there were a lot of songs that I really loved for a Eurovision song. And, um, yeah, there, I'm, I have discovered about myself that I really lean towards a dramatic ballad when oh. it comes to my Eurovision preferences. So a lot of, lot of good ballads in this one. Yeah, because I, I wasn't sure what your favorite song was going to be with this one. Because previously I've been able to sort of have a good guess at what you'd love. But Yeah, I mean, and, and you have guessed correctly every time (laughs) so i think you're starting to get my my musical tastes but um in this one no songs that i would just put on in my day-to-day life and listen to but i thought some really good eurovision songs that i enjoyed um there were actually six songs that i could not decide between ultimately i did land on a ranking as i always do with um, because i want to see how i stack up compared to the official results but there were six songs that i that i was really kind of toying with i listened to more than once to see where i wanted to place them but that goes to show like how how good i thought those songs were yeah well let's let's dig into this and find out you know what you thought okay perfect um so i'm curious to know what was what is your favorite song because this is a contest that you know well you've watched more than once it's one of your favorites did you have a one song that was like far and away the one you loved most yes i absolutely did now can you have a guess Oh, God. I think that you're so much more perceptive than me when it comes to my taste. I, I am still gauging what your taste is, because I think that it's quite varied, your taste. Uh, so, uh, um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'm basic. Give... Sweden? Yeah. I, oh. <laughs> I know it's basic, but... Oh, it's just such a good song. 
Oh my God. Okay. So like we need to discuss because can, so let me just tell you that Sweden was in my top 10, but it was not my number one song and the voting process, which was lengthy. There was 42, 42 countries that voted. Yeah. So it was a lengthy voting process. And through the whole thing, it was like Sweden was so clearly the front runner. Like, you know how in 2014, when um, Austria Conchita's performance was just like, it was so clear from the very beginning that she was going to win yeah. by by a large margin. And even though that performance was not rate, rated my highest, um, I knew that they were going to I knew that Austria was going to win despite the fact that it was not my favorite. I could just tell. Yeah. Well, uh, apparently in 2012, all of Europe knew something that I did not. Because because it was so clear that everyone like immediately knew that this was far and away the winner. And I had it at number nine. Maybe you're Italian because Italy's the only country that didn't give Sweden a single vote. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. I was trying to pinpoint to see if there were any countries that ranked the um, the performances in similarly to mine, and there were none <laughs> that I could find. So some some ranked ones that I ranked high, they ranked those high, but then coupled with that, they had a number of ones that I ranked really low. So it was it was just all over the place. I never felt as out of step with the official results as I did with this one in any of the ones that I have watched so far. See, now Sweden's song, uh, Lorene Euphoria, it actually currently um, joint holds the most 12 points from uh, the most countries. It got 18 countries gave it 12 points. Wow. And that record was unbeaten until the uh, 2017 contest. Uh, when the winner, winning country there also got 18 countries, gave them 12 points. That's incredible. I mean, like... So, and that, that record stands eight years it on. It was such, like, a landslide, really. But oh. then, I mean, I really, like, honestly, Chris, I say this in a way that, like, I hope conveys um, that I was enjoying myself and excited, but I was yelling at my TV through this entire (laughs) voting process. I was like, what are you guys talking about? Russia came in number two? What? I mean, we'll we'll talk about Russia later. That, that, That song, Russia's song's iconic. I was like, in my notes, I put... I put like this is cute, but but so gimmicky. It's such a gimmick <laughs> to have like these adorable little old ladies singing this very cute song. I mean, not particularly well. They weren't vocalists, but it was it was very much uh, like I think that it really evoked a level of you know tradition and culture, and it was like it was a really cute song. But I was blown away that it came in second. <laughs> Uh, I mean, that that's their second time, not at Eurovision, but they tried entering Eurovision before for Russia. Um, I, I don't know the details of the original song, but that's their, that was their second attempt at representing Russia in Eurovision. Okay. And the money that they raise as a group, um, that's used to build a church, I believe. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that song, um, it's in 
Erdmert, I think is the pronunciation of the Russian sort of a more rather than standard Russian language. It's like a, a local dialect. And the song is about lighting the oven, kneading dough and spreading a tablecloth while waiting for the children to come home. And then when they come home, they have fun and dance. So I got that from Well, the- that sounds lovely. Yeah. That sounds lovely. Okay, I need to pause for one quick second, yep. though, because so so there there is prize money awarded. No, it's just sort of money they make from their sort of appearances, I believe. Oh, I see. I was wondering if, you know, if there is money affiliated and this particular group has the money going to a very good cause, then is there any kind of incentive to vote for them in order to uh support the cause you know but that's not no the case it's just a case of Eurovision money they make as recording artists um if, gotcha. if it was prize money i think the uk would make a better attempt <laughs> <laughs> oh well if anybody listened to our dnq files uh recording then you know that there is a conversation coming about the uk's entry in 2012 chris are you dying to tell me yeah i mean Bless his cotton socks. Little old Engelbert Humperdinck. <laughs> I mean, the song, right, I'm not going to defend its suitability. For, I don't think it should have won. I don't think it should have won, should say. Um, it was wrong. the wrong song to send to Eurovision. Absolutely. Oh, so, I won't disagree so there. we agree on that. But I think yes. it was a lovely song and it was sung really well. I don't. Do you not? I don't agree. I mean, I think that it just like the song itself seemed not so like setting aside the performance. And I know that Engelbert Engelbert Humperdinck is a very iconic, well-seasoned performer. Um, But okay, so in terms of his performance, I feel like it's fair to say, in my opinion, that he is past his prime in terms of his vocals. You know, as as singers age. They can't hold the same notes. And and I mean, don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean that they can't put on a brilliant performance. I saw Robert Plant last year. And although he cannot hit every note from Led Zeppelin, he was an absolute dynamo to watch. And so don't get me wrong. But I do think that the voice was not what it might have once been. And then the song itself was very amateur sounding to me it sounded like something that a first time songwriter could have written you know in their basement and i uh, i'm sorry <laughs> my that is my opinion only. yeah I, I mean what i think what i lied about it as well i mean this shows you how low my expectations are for the uk in eurovision <laughs> i thought we did a good attempt at staging it the uk for me i when i'm mercilessly ripping the UK's attempts at entering Eurovision. I like I like to joke that our staging idea is the singer stands on, stands on stage, the lights are shining on them, and when it goes to the big chorus, the lights shine up, and that's our entire staging aesthetic. Right. But here we had a guitarist, the lights were on him, and then the lights dimmed on the guitarist, and then they went over to the dancers, we had dancers. We never get dancers. We usually get, at best, two backing vocalists clicking their fingers. <laughs> and then and then we had pyrotechnics for, for, for the UK. That's amazing. We did staging. But again, okay. this is more about how low my expectations are for the UK than I think how good it was. I am going to say that sounds like a pretty low bar. 
Your description was like lights went down and then came up on a different person. Groundbreaking. (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, I mean, it sounds as if we're in agreement that this was not a winning song. I actually voted um, as much as I say, I felt like my voting was out of step with the actual results. I was very in line on a number of them. There were seven songs that I was either perfectly aligned or just one off of the official voting. And uh, the UK was one where we were perfectly aligned, which was uh, voting at 25th out of 26 acts. See, I put them at 13. So sort of halfway middle of the pack. Yeah, sure. Okay. So, Definitely liked it better than me, but I was really expecting, uh, based on <laughs> based on the vibe I was getting from our DNQ files, that you were like really feeling passionately about this song being a top contender. But maybe, maybe not, <laughs> not quite that. Much. No, I just think he gets a lo- little bit too much hate. Does he? Is this like sort of a notoriously yeah hated? Because I think, like I said, it wrong song. I was a wrong song, but it's not his fault. No, it is not. It is not his fault. It was a BBC because feel... BBC internally selected a, an old-fashioned song for what was yes. becoming a, an increasingly modern contest. And I, I, I did feel badly for Engelbert Humperdinck because you really had to go slow um, with that name, don't you? I, d- I had to go like I really had to slow it down. Um, but I felt badly because um, to be a very well-seasoned sort of iconic performer, a household name really, and then to go in this kind of contest and and score very poorly. And it isn't necessarily um, an indication of, you know, whether or not he's capable of putting on a good performance. It's just whether or not it was, quote-unquote, Eurovision, you know? Yeah. But I felt badly for him. I can't imagine he took that super well. No. He doesn't do much these days. <laughs> Oh no, he ended it on Eurovision. (laughs) Oh no. Um, Okay, so let's talk about, uh, let's talk about our tops. So I already know that Sweden is your number one. Do you want to take a guess on which I ranked number one? Bearing in mind that there were a handful that any of them could have been my top one, but the one I finally landed on, what do you think? Now you said you like the ballads. I went heavy on the ballads with this one, yes. Um, I'm going to guess Estonia. Ooh, close. Estonia was one of my tops. Um, but Spain was actually where I landed and they did not do well. No. Um, I mean, they came in 10, so not terrible, but so interestingly, they're winning like the actual result of Sweden. I put at number nine. Yeah. And Spain, my number one, was their number 10. So it was like Swap places. we were in the same ballpark, but like not not exactly. So as much as I say that like I was really shouting at my TV and like, what is everybody talking about? I did have six of the top 10 were six of them were also in my top 10, but like really kind of all over the map. But the ones that I liked best that I was really toying with were Spain, Albania, Ukraine, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Estonia, and Azerbaijan. Nice. I'm, I'm glad you've got Ukraine high up there because that was one of my favorites. That was uh, my number three song. That is also my number three. Nice. Yeah. I just like that, wow. that 
um, horn line, uh, the, the sort of trumpet sound, it just really, really, really did it for me. Um, I agree. I thought that was an amazing performance. That was the only song out of the six that I was toying with that was not a ballad. It had more of a beat. It was more poppy. Um, I thought the performance was amazing. Do you know who that singer is? Is she someone that you're familiar I'm with? I'm not familiar with her, unfortunately. Um, no. Other than no, she sings a song called Be My Guest and dresses a bit like Moana. So it's like a very confused Disney princess. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I thought that that was a great performance. And then all of the rest of them were quite ballad heavy for me. But I just I can't get over how poorly some of my top ones did. Ukraine, as you just mentioned, that was actually ranked 15th in the actual underscored. Oh, I can't believe it. And then Bosnia and Herzegovina. Am I pronouncing that? Um, right? I've always heard Herzegovina, but yeah. Herzegovina. Um, they were they scored 18th. They were my number four. Um, Estonia and Albania, they were ranked two and five for me. Uh, those actually, their results were were higher. Uh, Estonia came in number six and Albania came in number five. So, you know, we were sort of aligned there. But like I had, n- I had France at number eight. France came in 22nd. Yeah, I, I really like France. Like, I was France. all over the place. Uh, I mean, for me, France, I usually like to comment that France send the most French song that was ever going, ho, he, ho, he, ho. <laughs> but that felt like a really modern song. I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. Um. Also, Denmark yeah. was number seven for me. Denmark came in 23rd. I put Denmark um sixth. So we were, Denmark, yeah, we're, we're very close, close on, on some of these. Uh, yeah. But I've got to know what it is you liked about Spain's song because I put them down the bottom of the pack, 23rd, did nothing for me. So what was it you liked about it? I don't know. I feel like it's hard to describe um, that I thought that the performance was really good. I know I don't know whether or not um, this is uh, always something that is held as a really like strong point in in the judging, but they the vocals definitely make a big difference for me. Like for instance, Lithuania, who um, they came in fourteenth, so about middle of the pack, and like I really found he couldn't he couldn't hit the notes, you know? So I do think that like her performance was very good. She hit all of the notes. I found she was very, you know, passionate in her performance. And then I just, I found the song catchy. Like I don't understand any of the words, <laughs> but the tune itself, it just, it just struck me in a way that I really liked. Albania also, the the like passion with which she sung was re- you could really oh, tell you, you could you could see the passion on her face yeah so spain and albania were the two that i really went back and forth on which one i wanted to put number one i landed on spain but it could have just as easily been albania um do you know what's so weird uh i think that it was because uh albania she had sort of this very futuristic look and it reminded me a lot of the movie The Fifth Element. Have you seen that movie? I've not, no. <laughs> it was like, it's very futuristic and there's like this uh, opera performance by, it's like an alien. I'm really going nerdy <laughs> here. But it, in any case, it just like reminded me of it for some reason. It was like otherworldly, this, you know, this singer. And she like, you know, she was a little, um, you know, 
off, I think, on some of the really high-pitched notes, but I, di- I didn't even mind because she was just, like, going with such passion. Yeah, that that's what I didn't like about um, Albania's song. I think, as a studio recording, I much prefer it. That live performance, a little bit too screechy. It was. It was a little screechy in places, and I think, ultimately, that's kind of put it at... That's what put it at number two for me instead of Spain. But um, but I didn't I didn't falter for it as much as I as I faulted some of the others. Like Lithuania is the one that comes to mind that I've already mentioned. Where it was like I mean Lithuania that was instant bottom of the pack. The moment he did air guitar, I'm like no, <sighs> I know no. Also, can I just say that I felt like the feigning blindness with his bedazzled like scarf at the beginning was yeah. like kind of pretending like, to be blind- not... blindfolded but tracking the camera around perfectly <laughs> i know i was like i i feel like this was a bad choice <laughs> um okay so let's talk about our bottoms our bottom of the pack you've already mentioned lithuania was one of your bottoms yep uh my absolute bottom uh one of the big six so the big five germany really oh. i had germany middle of the pack well for me like that song was called stand still and he really shouldn't have been stood still in the middle of a road because that's exactly where that song was <laughs> middle of a I road definitely indie. i definitely thought that was that was fine it wasn't great it wasn't terrible but i thought that was fine um okay germany you're very very bottom <sighs> so boring <laughs> <laughs> My very, very bottom was Turkey, and that came in seventh. Yeah, so um, that was Turkey's last ever appearance at Eurovision. Oh, was yeah, it? Yeah, they dropped out because of uh, rule changes that they weren't happy with. Uh, but they since then, they've said that, you know, they won't be coming back because they're unhappy with how the um, show kind of promotes lgbt performers and they sent that performance as their last ever one (laughs) you what that performance was so camp (laughs) yeah i didn't i didn't like it i didn't like it though i mean it scored very highly it just wasn't my it wasn't my jam I mean, I've seen Turkey only one other time, which was in the 1988 Eurovision, because, of course, they weren't in the uh, 2014 and they weren't in 1957. And I scored their song in 1988 very highly. Um, so, I mean, like, obviously, every song is different and this one just didn't do it for me. No, See, I, I sort of put it middle at 11th. I don't mind it. Um but I, I just find it absolutely bizarre that they don't show up anymore because of LGBT <laughs> acts and they sent something as camp as Christmas as their last ever performance. <laughs> sailors, topless sailors. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you can't get any more camp than that. Um, I also scored. So as I mentioned, so Turkey is my lowest. The UK, I I scored 25th. And then um, the the next one for me at the bottom was Greece. I didn't like Greece's at all. <laughs> you scored it really high, didn't you? Yeah, I love it. It's so Greece and Cyprus. Um, now I sent you a link to a song that's. Have you watched that song? Fuego. Yes, and I I knew that you were going to talk about Greece and Cyprus when you said there were two songs that reminded you of this. Yeah, one. because they were Greece and Cyprus both send what I would call proto-fuego songs. 
Uh, so uh, now you've not seen the contest that Fuego is from, but it's like this iconic bit of sort of Latin pop, hairography, like all the dance moves. It is iconic and everybody talks about Fuego. Everybody compares any bit of Latin pop that's come to Eurovision since as a Fuego um, sort of inspired song. I mean, there's only been two Euro- oh, well, one Eurovision and one cancelled Eurovision since Fuego. But in each of those right. years, we've had songs that have clearly been similar to Fuego. But what we have here with Greece and Cyprus is Fuego before Fuego did its first ever Fuego. <laughs> well, I really enjoyed Fuego, but I didn't like these ones. <laughs> I mean, like, so if we're comparing them, these are the poor, poor man's Fuego. Um, so I like Cyprus. Uh, Greece and uh, Romania, I think, were three that all kind of did pretty typical girl band type deals. Oh my God, you're laughing. Tell me why. So Romania is my second song, my second place song. (laughs) Cyprus is my fifth place and Greece is my seventh place. Oh my God. Now I'm getting, now I'm getting a, a better sense of your tops. I mean, so like, all of those, I think, are more likely to be songs that I would listen to on a day-to-day basis than any of the ones that I put in my tops. They were, like, fun and poppy and, like, they were good songs. But I didn't feel like they gave me that the Eurovision drama that I wanted. They felt pretty basic to me. I think that's why I like them, because I'm basic at times. <laughs> I mean, uh, can I just say, though, that Cyprus in particular, the costume choices, the choreography, like they looked gorgeous. <laughs> so nice. Yeah. Um, I liked Cyprus significantly better than I liked Greece's entry. I put Cyprus middle of the pack and I put Romania even better than that still. Um, Romania, I put uh, 13th and Cyprus 17th, Greece 24th. Yeah, I mean, so what, I, what I'm thinking now is I'm... I've always got songs in my head whenever I'm doing anything. I've always got like a little tune in my head. At the moment, my my head is stuck on uh, Zalale, um, the Romanian song, because that is such a. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I've got it in my head at the moment. Like that's the one that is the earworm that sticks with you, yeah. right? Um. Yeah. I mean, I think that kind of like I had a whole bunch that were kind of meh in the middle. Um, I did the, I think the, like, uh, the former Yugoslav Republic of Macedonia. Yes. They had, they had like kind of a heavier rock vibe and they did moderately well, didn't they? Yeah. I mean, it's sort of a rocker, what do you call it? Like symphonic, a bit symphonic rock, but not as symphonic rock as Iceland's song. Right. They, I mean, I liked Iceland's as well. I scored both of those relatively middle of the pack. Yeah. No, but I think both of those songs are a bit uh, Nightwish, but Nightwish Light. Is Nightwish a band? Yes, they are They are a <laughs> symphonic metal band. So they okay. sort of combine yeah, well, metal music sense. with sort of operatic vocals and yes. violins and stuff I like that. I did write... I wrote in my notes that, like, this is me being, you know, like, this is me stereotyping. But, like, this entry from Iceland is closer to what I would have expected Iceland to sort of enter, where it had these, like, sort of ethereal, haunting, haunting operatic vocals um, versus what I've seen in some of the other Eurovisions, like in in the 2014, where it was, like, um, like a 90s punk band vibe with all of them in different colored suits which i liked very much but like 
Um, I really, whenever I think of Iceland, I think of the Eurovision Song Contest movie <laughs> <laughs> where it's like these very haunting vocals and whatever. Yes. Um, I mean, on the topic of the movie, there's a couple of things that remind me of a movie. Um, so Greece's song and uh, actually reminded me a bit of uh, Katarina's song from the movie. Yeah, I could see that. And also uh, France, they had, um, if you remember, she had the... Um, Long flowing, flowing bit. dress. Yeah, going yes. back. I mean, if you were doing a drinking game with that one, you would have been that would have been a good one because they had a key change and the wind machine, and those are two classic yes. Eurovision tropes. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Um, I definitely thought of the movie for that one too. Where when I was watching the performance, I was like, "Good thing there's no yep. hamster wheel behind her." <laughs> um. Yeah, so uh, I don't know. There's no other ones that really stand out to me as ones that I that I want to talk about. Uh, Italy, I really loved the sort of retro vibe that Italy did. This was definitely um, one that I liked much, much better than their 2014 entry. Um, but uh, I scored it 10. Yeah. Uh, tenth. For me. So pretty close to where they came in. Italy, I would say it was a bit um, Emilia Vino Casa, a bit um, Italian Amy Winehouse. Yes, 100% Italian Amy Winehouse, yeah. which I am not mad at at all. <laughs> uh, not not your vibe, I no, take you. I didn't love it. <laughs> I want to um, address the one that came last with the televote and jury vote, uh, Norway. Uh, ah, stay. Yes. Um, interesting fact: uh, the sing the the uh, mu- the songwriter who wrote uh, Euphoria or co-wrote Euphoria, which one also co-wrote the song that came last. Yeah, honestly, I don't. It was not one of my favorites, but it wasn't a real standout to me as as a bottom no. uh, song. I thought it was fine. But it's a fine Norwegian tradition of coming last in Eurovision. I know you told me that. And in some cases, like I did not like I didn't like the Norway entry from 2014. But this one, I was like, I, I obviously wouldn't have put it at the bottom because I didn't no. <laughs> in my own rankings. But I don't know why it scored so poorly. Honestly, I have no idea. I mean, I put it at 14th. It was fine. Complete middle of the pack. Um, I did say yeah. to Sarah, he's like the uh, Norwegian Peter Andre. Sorry, the Poundland Peter Andre. And Sarah was like, Peter Andre is a Poundland Peter Andre. I don't know. You don't know who Peter Andre is. is. <laughs> I am sending you mysterious girl after this. You need to listen to it. And you'll be like, oh, yeah, yep. Yeah, he is like the Norwegian Peter Andre. <laughs> okay, send it to me. I can't believe you didn't have Peter Andre. In... <sighs> I thought he was like an international star. I mean, he was Australian. I thought, you know, I was like, oh, you love Peter Andre. I didn't think there was point any point asking if you had Peter Andre. <laughs> I mean, it does not necessarily mean that Peter Andre is not known amongst Canadians. I just personally don't know who he is. Uh, I'm in shock. I mean, you guys, listeners, the uh, somehow I am able to disappoint Chris. <laughs> um, like every time we record, there's something where he's like, Jesus, Kim. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. So Peter Andre. Yeah. Send that to me. Put it in the show notes. Yep. Um, How did you feel about Ireland's act, Jedwood? I scored it low. Really? Oh, yeah. I love Jedwood. I really do. <laughs> I thought they were cute. I thought they were fine, but basic. Did Jedwood ever make it across to to, to Canada off her back? I don't know. So, so Jed, Jedwood, yeah. John and Edward, 
obviously identical twins. Um, obviously, uh, they became famous on um, the X Factor a few years ago. Um, okay, and they were hyperactive as hell, really annoying. Um, not great singers, but <laughs> I'm with you so far. <laughs> they were fun, and they are born entertainers. They are entertainers through and through. I mean, this was like this for John and Edward was like them really toned down. Usually they've got their hair stuck up like full on, full on quiffs, like uh, like a, you know, like a foot high quiffs at times. Wow. At their height uh, of fame um, and the height of their quiffs. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, bless her, I mean, there's a famous video of, I think it's John, uh, but one of them, they were performing at like this um, like festival on a beach in the UK. And he mm-hmm. tripped and broke his leg, and he he got back <gasps> up and he continued singing, just hopping around. They finish a song oh, first. Well, good for him. That's you know I, that's showmanship. Exactly, they are true and true performers, and they recently got in a tw- into a Twitter spat with Jim from the Cause. Okay, you, do you know the Cause? They were an Irish <laughs> pop band big in the nineties. <laughs> um, I'm suddenly feeling very underqualified to do this show. I know that you said the whole point was that I would not know Eurovision, but I hope that you're prepared for me to not know anything. <laughs> well, well, Jim from The Cause is a notorious anti-vaxxer and recently anti-masker. And oh, they wow. go into a Twitter spat with him. So like, they're like... I suddenly like them so yeah. much more. They were like... Because one of the, the Cause most famous songs is called Breathless. And they were like... If you want to be left breathless like Jim, join in with this protest. <laughs> Otherwise, wear a mask. <laughs> okay, well, I like respect. Yeah. Respect there for sure. But, uh, but I still didn't like their song that much. <laughs> that was actually their second time in a row as well, representing Ireland. And how did they do the first time? Not too badly either. Okay. They've done... I mean, they came in They came in 19th on this one, yeah. so not great. Uh, the year before, they, ha- they performed a song called Lipstick. And he also met uh, Barack Obama the year before as well. Of course he did. Yeah. Of course they of did. Of course they met Barack Obama. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I like, I I feel like our rankings only just reinforce what we have uh, already discussed in past episodes, which is that we do not have the same taste no. in music. And other than Euphoria, I do not have the same taste as all of Europe, apparently. Yeah, yeah, same. Um, I mean, just all over the map. Hey there, I just want to interrupt the show to say thanks for listening to the podcast. We do appreciate every listen. If you enjoy the podcast, please tell a friend or family member, anybody you know who likes Eurovision, or your enemies who hate Eurovision and you want to make them suffer. (laughs) We don't care. We'll take the listen. Also, Apple Podcast users, please do rate and review. It helps more people find the podcast. Uh, And make sure that you've subscribed. You can also get in touch with us via social media. We have a Twitter page at ThinkAboutEuro. We're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash ThinkAboutEurovision. And also you can find all show notes and accompanying playlists at our website, which is thinkabouteuro.vision. Anyway... Back to the show.
okay, so like, let's talk, let's move away from the songs themselves and talk a little bit about the production of this show. Yeah. What did you, th- what did you think about the show in general? Um, I mean, one thing I wish I hadn't done is at the beginning of the show, they have like the opening stuff and then the presenters came out, weirdly pronouncing Azerbaijan as Azerbaijan. It's like, come on guys, Azerbaijan. People around Europe aren't that stupid. I'd like to think people around Europe aren't that stupid, at least. Um, And then they they showed you... Oh, the world. (laughs) The most boring 60-second video of a venue being built. Yeah, that was bad. That was bad. Who thought that was a good idea? That was the longest 60 seconds that I, you know what, that 60 seconds (laughs) was more painful to watch than our lengthy, like, dead air of nothing that we did for the the 1957 show. That was brutal. I I don't, it's, the the best thing about that building is the lights all the way around it for the postcards. Uh, Yes, I did like that. Um. But it's not interesting watching it being built. It's not like, wow, this is a a feat of engineering. It's a fairly basic round building. I did think, though, I mean, this gave me the opportunity to think about the plot of the Will Ferrell movie and why uh, there was a a scheme to have Iceland not win because it would make the country go bankrupt. Hosting's expensive. it's expensive. That's it, right? Exactly. And so, um, further to what I said in the uh, about uh, the Ireland uh, hosting in 1988, where there was some pretty shameless self promotion being done in all of the postcards. Nothing compared uh, to this. Double down on Azerbaijan. <laughs> I mean, because at least in Ireland they put the artists out there in Ireland and amongst Irish people. This is right. like land of food, city of sun. <laughs> I mean, I will say, though, that, like, I do feel I am more exposed to the culture of Azerbaijan than I was before I watched and, you know, probably would have been in any other uh, sort of pop culture viewing experience I would have seen otherwise. So it worked. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I definitely want to visit there once the plague has passed. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so I I did... um, You know, I enjoyed this production, like, obviously, songs aside, I enjoyed a lot of the songs, but I did feel like um, the um, the acts in between the opening act and sort of the uh, intermission act were very good, in my opinion. Really? I mean, let's let's talk about Emin or in in let's discuss the uh, interval act in a section I would like to call the Think About Eurovision Roast of Emin. Okay, so I will say, let me just, let me just explain, let me caveat my uh, praise for the halftime show, if you will, is that like, I loved everything except the singer. (laughs) I agree on that. Yeah, I loved all the cultural stuff that was like, this is our heritage. And yes, I loved all of that. That I Um, And when he was like descended from the ceiling on wires and started to sing, that was when I got up and made a coffee. Yeah. um, (laughs) They introduce him as being very successful, not only in Azerbaijan, but also in Russia and the UK. Now, Is that not true? How would you measure the success of an artist? Uh, Charts? I don't know. 
charts, yeah. sales. Yeah, that, I think that's a fair... Radio play. Yeah, that's a fair way. Um, Emin has never charted in the top 100 singles in the UK. Woof. Yeah, he had one album peak at number 85 for one whole week in the top 100 albums. In that same week, Adele's 21 was in its 10th week, consecutive week at number one, with uh, her album 19 at number two. So he's no Adele is what you're he's saying. He's no Adele. Um, <laughs> uh, but that said, it's a heartwarming rags to riches story. Okay. Yeah, because his, his dad is an Azerbaijani Russian billionaire. Oh. Yes. Uh, and his wife at the time he was the daughter of the president of Azerbaijan. So where are the rags in this story? <laughs> <laughs> it's a heartwarming tale, don't you think? I mean, I, I have no idea. It's so nice that he's, that he's clearly worked from the bottom up. I mean, he must have worked very hard to be awarded the privileges <laughs> uh, that got him to where he is today. Or um, or not. There's definitely no nepotism there whatsoever. No. <laughs> I, I'm definitely not. Well, based on the one song that I that I did see, I will say that I don't know where he would have gotten if it was on Merit alone, because I didn't like him. No, I mean, you know when I said about Ireland sending a song that was better than all the other songs that competed that year? Yes. The opposite here. I think that was the worst song right. I heard all night. Yeah, I didn't, I did not like the song, but um, the, like the lead up to him singing. Brilliant. Where it was like the drums and the, like there was this whole like cultural event that was happening in the halftime. I loved, loved, loved that. And I really liked the opening act much more than I did. Um, like the 2014 one, I was like, am I watching a James Bond movie right now? They had this really weird intro where people were like flying in on parachutes and like coming in on motorcycles and they were all dressed in black. And it was like ninjas <laughs> descending upon the <laughs> the stadium It was in this kind of like weird intro to the show and in this one i felt like it made much more sense um i didn't particularly love the winning song from the year prior no but i'm pretty sure they were miming oh really i'm certain of it scandalous yeah i I think everyone before prior to them was singing live but i'm pretty sure that ellen nikki the winning song from the year before were miming because that sounded like cd production quality vocals yeah yeah i could see that um, the hosts were awkward, um, but I have, I am discovering that all Eurovision hosts are awkward. Not all of them, but it's a okay. fine Eurovision. All the ones I've seen so it's far. It's a fine Eurovision <laughs> yeah. tradition of sending awkward hosts. They were awkward. Um, and uh, although there were some cringy moments, literally every time the hosts try to interact with the uh, performers, I find it very cringe. Um, but less, it was less cringy in my opinion than 2014. I mean, was. no creepy stalkerness. Like, here's your favorite restaurant. Like, is it? Uh, oh yeah, sure. <laughs> like randomly bringing cake for them to eat on camera, bizarre. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, I could do without any host performer interaction whatsoever. Quite frankly, is that that your ideal Eurovision? Yes. <laughs> like, Come on, say hello. I'm... Introduce the first song. <laughs> Right. I mean, like, say hello, welcome us to your country, and then never come back. That's <laughs> you can you you can um, award the winning song, and those are the only two times I want to see you. 
do you know that what talking about to, uh, back to Emin, I got proper down a Wikipedia sort of hole earlier today when I was looking into this, and it's so shady. Oh, yeah, there's dealings with Trump. Guilty dealings with Donald what? Trump. So, as I said, his a uh, billionaire father owns a, a venue in Russia. Now, in 2013, the year after this contest, uh, the Miss Universe competition um, was held at his father's venue in Russia. And Donald mm-hmm. Trump was there. Now, they paid Donald Trump $20 million to host the pageant. Oh, God. And Donald Trump appeared in a music video for Emin with all the performers from that year's uh, Miss Universe pageant. The performers, the entrants for Miss Universe pageant were not paid. Oh. And allegedly, now I've got to say allegedly before I get into trouble, Emin offered to send prostitutes to Donald Trump's hotel room. And and then pee on him. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> it was in Russia. It was in Russia. I know. That's what I'm getting at. Yep. And now we know, now we know the backstory of the infamous pee-pee tape, yes. I feel. Honestly, there's... I had to stop myself going down a complete spiral because I was like, I wouldn't have been ready for recording today. I could have gone so much further. <laughs> Honestly, wow. listeners, look up Emin because what a seedy kind of world. It's Ooh. it's so like ick. And it Yeah. I feel gross. Yeah. I feel gross just hearing about and, it. And like he is there is like um accusations. Um, of this guy and his family and his connections dabbling in the US election in 2016. <gasps> yeah. But it's all I alleged. Feel like, I feel like a need. Yes, I feel like a need. Like everything that we're saying is not proven in court. Everything is <laughs> alleged only and we cannot be held liable for any of the things that we're saying. Billionaire dad, don't come after us. We're just enjoying the drama. <laughs> <laughs> like I feel like we're suddenly gonna get like hit with uh, top fancy lawyers for libel. Yeah, I mean, thankfully there's no cathedrals in uh, my town, so there's no spires to look at. Which is a, a reference that will go completely over your head, but anyone in the UK will be wetting themselves with laughter. <laughs> I will take your word yeah. for it. I didn't even say anything because I was like, I can't admit that I <laughs> that I don't know another thing. There was a this episode <laughs> a couple of years ago. There was a Novichok poisoning um, in the UK, and these two Russian gentlemen, uh, claimed who were in the town where this happened, claimed they were just there to look at the spire of this ancient church, and they knew exactly how tall oh. this spire was as well. Like, uh-huh. And we were like, that's. That is straight uh-huh. BS. Is this like the poison on a door handle or something? Um, I don't know how it was administered. Oh, well, either way, let's, you know, be in agreement that they weren't here to look at the churches. No, they were not. Mm-hmm. Alleged, 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 allegedly. Lawyers, alleged. <laughs> so. And now that anyone from Russia who might have been listening to our podcast is... Uh, Probably gone forever because <laughs> we just shat all over everything. Um, so any final thoughts on uh, the production of the... Tw- Let's talk about the voting. Oh, the voting. Some great stuff in voting. So you you referred to it earlier. We've got some uh, reciprocal voting. Um, yes. Romania gave Moldova 12 points. Moldova gave Romania 12 points. Mm-hmm. Greece. I mean, Greece and Cyprus is classic Eurovision t- yes. trope. 
I mean, if Cyprus or Greece isn't in the final, but the other is, they're like, who do we give our 12 points to? <laughs> I mean... Yeah, I definitely noticed it. It was it was um, very noticeable in this uh, year's contest, more so than in, in the others, but it was something that I started to have an inkling about even before this one. So now it's firmly cemented oh, yeah. that like... Oh, You'll be watching out for it in Portugal and Spain as well. So Portugal gave... Uh, 12 points to Spain. Obviously, Portugal mm-hmm. didn't make the final, so Spain had to give it to another country. Right. Um, another thing I liked, uh, the uh, spokesperson for Belgium calling the hosts cutie pies. Right. There was, it was very, there were some awkward, awkward moments. Yeah. There are always awkward moments with the voting. Fewer people sang the, in this one than in 2014, and I was happy. I was grateful for the, only a couple of people sung like one word. It was like, it was like usually, yes. it was mostly people going, euphoria, 12 points. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I can handle that. But you know what was so awkward to me is when they were like, how's everybody doing tonight? I can't hear you. <laughs> and then it's just like silence. Just like say your points and go. <laughs> It's there are 42 countries to get through. Yeah. Let's keep it snappy, yeah. people. But two spe- specific spokespersons I want to talk about. We'll, mm. we'll go to Sweden first. Now, Sweden okay. uh, sent Linda Woodruff. Now, that's not her real name. She's actually called Sarah Dawn Finer. So she's a, a Swedish, uh, British, dual nationality actor, comedian. And uh, Linda Woodruff is iconic amongst Eurovision fans. She's like this really awkward, not the best host. I mean, she's really good. She's funny at it. And she does like this really sort of estuary English accent. Um, Yes. And she's just prone to gaffes and really funny. I I just love that. She was like, thank you, Azenjabaku. I know. It's like, oh, that's so embarrassing. If you know it's a joke, you get it. Oh, thank God. It was just her playing it up. Oh, I didn't know that, like, now that you have told me who she is, I know that she's a comedian. Yeah. But as someone who had no idea who she was, I was like, oh, I'm so embarrassed for you. Oh, it would be so awkward <laughs> if, if that was really happening. <laughs> oh, thank God that that didn't really yeah. happen. And now, Mr. Lordy for Finland. Yeah. Now, um, Mr. Lordy from the band Lordy has represented Finland in Eurovision before. So, like, I assume that all of our listeners who are listening have have watched 2012 in advance of us um, recording this. But, like, if there is anyone out there who is simply listening without having watched 2012, this is the guy who dressed as, like, a demon? Yeah. 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 I mean, technically, I think he's a super monster. Oh, a super monster. A super monster. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, but, yeah, Mr. Lordy he's i think he's uh, been spokesperson for finland a few times since they entered eurovision i think it's just because he's great tv and i i love that he was like no matter who he was giving po- awarding points to it was like the cutest prettiest hardest babe <laughs> or should i say babes and then guy <laughs> yeah i just love that he did it for everyone because like at first when i was watching i was like Oh, Mr. Lordy, this is awkward. I was like, oh, you're doing a bit. Right. Uh, yeah, at first I was like, ooh, this is cringe. This is like, 
I don't know, monster misogyny, like, <laughs> just like, just like calling out the hottest women. But then, I mean, like, he, he gave his um, hotness ranking to everyone equally. Yes. And so, <laughs> and so it was no longer cringe. Yeah. Um, I, I love that um, spokesperson. It's brilliant. Just a, a good bit of telly. Um, yes. Other than that, I mean, most of the other sort of uh, points, uneventful. Um, wh- yep. One thing I did like is that by the time Italy had given their points, uh, they were the 36th out of 42 uh, countries to give their points. At that point, Sweden had won. But, but they didn't, didn't say it. it. So anyone who yeah. couldn't do basic arithmetic or Me. didn't have a- access to a calculator Me. didn't know who'd won. I did not. I mean, like, I did know that... Sweden was going to win. I mean, like you could tell at that point, but we did talk about this in 2014. It's so anticlimactic when they just announce it before the points. Like you feel bad for the presenters, for the countries whose points just don't matter, you know? So like, I I prefer that they did it this way. And Lorraine just there, clearly her team's already worked it out and gone, you've won, you've won, get ready. Right. And she's like there pretending to look really excited. Oh, I might win. It's looking like I could possibly win. And like, yeah, you you know you've won. (laughs) Right. But I I did Um, appreciate that they didn't spoil it or they didn't, not so much spoil it because I I think a lot of people would have worked it out at the time. Yeah. Yeah. But they didn't spoil the mood. Yeah. And they didn't, I mean, like there is almost a required comment that then has to be made by the presenters who are presenting after the announcement is made. We saw it in 2014 where they're like, not that these points matter, yeah. but here are our points. Right. And it does It kind of like just, I mean, just let them have it. Just get, yeah. let them present their points. I mean, I think one of the countries did say, I don't think this will change anything, but here's our points. Right, fair enough. Yeah. And I mean, they can say that, but it's not, I don't know. You're right. It didn't bring the mood down no. in the same way. And then... Um, I I could definitely have dealt with the voting portion being shorter. Yeah. And I I think that you said that they, on a go forward, at some point they're doing only just the 12 points. I think so. Yeah, I, I forgot Did to say that? double check that. But in any case, if they do choose to do that, I would be down. Because I really like the i really like the points portion i don't want to do away with it or anything i really like the sort of mounting suspense of like who's going to win and like i found it really fun to be like yelling at my tv but like yeah you're kidding me turkey again <laughs> whatever but like i i just thought it was the voting portion was almost as long as the performance portion of the show which i think is is too long yeah um now i think the next eurovision we're doing 2017, I think, has that the latest um, voting structure. Let me just check. Yep, so I've just gone away and checked. So the 2017 contest has the new uh, voting format where they announce all the votes from the jury separate to the televote and they combine it for added suspense. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll be I'll be interested to see that, and uh, maybe that will make it a little bit more compact. In no, it, it does the opposite. The t- it actually drags it out, but oh, it okay. gives you drama, <laughs> drama. I do like drama. Yes. Yes. I mean, okay. To be fair, it's not the the twenty seventeen hasn't from memory got the best bit of drama about the points. That's the um, okay. twenty. Is there a clear runaway winner? Twenty nineteen 
for drama just wins for me. We're doing that um, next season. Okay. I- I'm saving that one um, for the next season. But, okay. yeah. Um, oh, it's beautiful. That, oh, I can't wait to share that one with you. <laughs> just great. <laughs> Oh, it's just like a moment. Okay, I'm like, looking forward to that. Oh, like, it's Chris, brilliant. Like, Chris needs some time alone. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it back back to um, the 2012 contest. They announced that Lorene's won, and they have. So we've had that really, really long montage of a building being built, and now we've got mm-hmm. the world's longest walk to the stage. I know this was painful. The longest walk to the stage and then like a very long process of getting her microphone back on. And it was just long. All of it yeah. was long. And then I, I love that um, um, Elgar, Eldar, sorry, I love that Eldar from Ellen Nikki announces next year we'll be in Sweden. And then Nikki, who clearly wasn't chose to, chosen to host with him, grabs the microphone and says, in Stockholm, it was held in um, Malmo <laughs> the following oh, year. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Nikki. Yeah, like you, you don't yeah. know where they're going to be holding it, love. <laughs> yeah, Nikki, just stay in your lane, okay? <laughs> that would be totally um, o- not okay for me to say. <laughs> uh so i i really enjoyed this overall there were some highs there were some lows there were some you know great songs there were some songs i really didn't like but like i think that all of that makes for a great eurovision contest so 2012 a good one iconic <laughs> Okay, well, this has been so much fun. So what are we doing next time? Next time we'll be discussing the 2017 Eurovision Song Contest in Kiev, Ukraine. Ooh. Yes. Um, so I am looking forward to that one in two weeks' time. I do, I have to say that I am like happy to be to be doing another modern one. I like the more modern ones better. Um, but it's fun to go back in time too. So when we do that, that'll be good. But 2017 is, I feel like it's going to be a good one. Um, stick with us after the theme tune if you want to hear some of our thoughts on the latest um, happenings on Canada's drag race. Um, but please make sure you subscribe to the podcast. If you're using uh, Apple Podcasts, give us a good review. That helps as well. Five stars, please. <laughs> please. <laughs> Pretty please. Um, if you have friends who love Eurovision, get them to listen to our podcast as well. Just a really quick shout out too to Elda for the lovely comments that you send. Thank you so much for your comments. And we're so happy that you're enjoying the show. And uh, and keep listening. Yeah, we really appreciate the message. Uh, thanks for getting in touch. It makes it worth it. Yes. Okay, and now for some Canada's Drag Race after the tune. Bye. Bye. La 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 Right then, so Canada's Drag Race. We're recording a little bit earlier than we expected, so we've got two episodes to discuss now. Um, so firstly, we had the family resemblance, family makeover challenge with, um, some, uh, people who'd been helped over to Canada by the Rainbow Road Project. 
I loved this so much. I I generally like the family reunion episodes anyway, though I've talked a little bit already and won't completely rehash, but I'm very happy that they temper their criticisms more now than they than they used to because it's so hard to see these lovely people come on oh, and, yeah. and then be subjected to like ruthless criticism. So I don't think that that happened in this case. But like, this was a really nice episode. I loved to see... Um, the, the rainbow project I had never heard of before. And, uh, that was like amazing to hear these stories. And then also just really fun. I love to see non drag queens get dressed up as drag queens. It's always a fun episode for me. Yeah. Uh, I just want to correct myself for calling the rainbow road. It's a rainbow railroad. Sorry. Um, oh, and I called it the rainbow project. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was a really nice to hear. Such a good story. It, it felt really Canadian because. In my head, Canada is really famous for helping people out. Um, I I don't know if that's just like a media sort of vision that I have from what I like to think so. I I do think that um you know that that is a stereotype that is based in truth. In my opinion, I mean, obviously we have work to do as as all countries yeah. do but but definitely i i think that um we we do have a reputation for for being you know helpful country a generous country because i i think i do see that when, you know every day that's good because i mean lately in the news in the uk there's been a lot of stories about uh migrant boats coming across from france um to the uk and some horrible stuff i've for me, the government's kind of like cracking down on it to kind of try and divert away from their failures on COVID. Mm. So, I mean, BBC News lately, literally for a week, every morning, they had somebody out in a boat on the English Channel. Um, and they were like, not handling it very well, discussing like oh. the boats coming over from Calais uh, to the UK with uh, migrants on it. And there was so much racist abuse online. It was horrible. Oh. That's that is terrible. yeah, and it made me really ashamed of my country. Well, there is, I mean, uh, there is uh, certainly you know some political leanings in Canada too that are not ones that I share or appreciate. So I think that there's some of that everywhere, but it's never it's never good to say. No. Um, or or see um, a shout out though to to anyone who might be considering if you want to come uh, immigrate to uh, eastern Canada we uh, like we have a, an aging population that really needs like a an influx of, uh, of of people coming to our area so please come and stay here <laughs> I mean I'd move there okay yeah come you got proper winters as well don't you Sorry, proper icy cold winters, right? As well. Oh, we do. Yes, because <laughs> the UK's got a temperate climate. You get yeah summers, yeah winters. Oh no, it's hot and then it's cold. That's what I want. <laughs> I want seasons. Yeah, we get those. We get those for sure. Um, but uh, but yeah. In any case, I had never heard of uh, Rainbow Railroad, and I'm I'm happy to know about yeah. it now because it seems like a very worthy cause, and um and it was just really incredible to hear these stories. I, I love that the prize um, was a donation to Rainbow Railroad as well. Yes, that was so yeah. much better than anything they could have done. Like being like, oh, this is a charity. You're aware of them now. We were like putting their money where the map their mouth is. 
Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think that, uh, you know, the connections between the, um, like, between the queens and their guests was really nice. Um, I do think that Priyanka, who won the competition, she deserved that win. And I was happy to see it because she'd had a couple of, you know, not so great runs. So that was my prediction wrong because I thought Priyanka was going to be the one to go in this uh, episode, but she did great. No, she did really good. I mean, I think the right queen went home on that challenge. I really felt for uh, Lemon's drag sister slash drag daughter lime oh yeah. honey you you can't oh. do makeup on somebody else can you no like she was definitely the right one to go home on this challenge there's no doubt but in terms of report card i think that lemon was more deserving to stay agree. to the finale than uh than priyanka or boba yeah. quite frankly yeah but uh, you can't argue oh, with that. She... The beat on the beat on her was not good. Poor lime. Poor lime. <laughs> Poor lime. Um, yeah, I, I mean, she took him from like, like you know, quite handsome thirty-something-year-old bloke to yeah, a, a sixty-year-old woman. woman. Yeah. Uh, and yes. you went 80 hours and 60. <laughs> <laughs> the old. The point is old. Yeah. He, he, Lemon made her look old. It, it wasn't great. Um, again, I'm gutted with how they didn't enjoy what St. Jimbo did. I love Jimbo's yeah. uh, look. And I thought it was funny. This was the red, like, yes. pleather look. Oh, yeah. I really liked that, too. And, I mean... um. The uh, guy that Jimbo was working with, he was loving it. He was like, I'm a whore. <laughs> oh, I know. It's like, like, what is your, like, what is like your drag persona? And he's like, slot. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. And I mean, that's the biggest thing too, right? Is that they're having fun yeah. and they're really feeling themselves and whatever. I do think that Jimbo has a tendency to go a little over-sexualized, which which is a bit crass in my opinion. But in this case, it worked. Yeah. Like, I, <laughs> I was liking it. Well, um... Yeah, uh, I, I'm still gutted. I'm just gutted that he didn't do so well. Um, I yeah. think Rita's look, I didn't get it. Me either at all. No. Like, mm, no, not wonderful. No, I had no idea what she was going for. And honestly, I mean, like, I feel like that lip sync could have gone either way. But Rita's got three wins. Yeah. And Lemon, Lemon only had one. Yeah. So... I mean, I think that it came down to report card on the lip sync because I I really feel like it could have gone. It wasn't in a far and away win on that lip sync, in my opinion. I'm also a bit annoyed at Scarlet Bobo because the name she gave her drag sister, drag daughter, um, Violet Bobo. She should have gone for Harlot Bobo. It would have rhymed. It would have been funny. Yes. I thought that would have you been a what? better name than Violet. Scarlet and Harlot. Should. Scarlet and Harlot. That is mi- way better. Yeah. That was a missed opportunity, Scarlet Bobo. Yeah. Shame. Um, <laughs> okay, let's talk about Scarlet Bobo, because over the course of these two episodes, it was a real running edit. It was the story they were telling is that Scarlet Bobo had not won yet, and then lo and behold, she wins. I, I thought she was going to go home. And even yeah. up until the judging, I thought she was in the bottom two. 
Yeah, I mean, like, I thought it was fine. I I don't think she was the bottom for me, but this is, I don't know, maybe I'm just like reading too much into things, but I've talked about this before that it's like, I knew she was going to win because the edit told me she was going to win. Yeah. This was the story they were telling is that she hadn't won anything and then she won. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I didn't get the sort of holiday party look and yeah. then the après, après ski one. Yeah. It was a bodysuit. It was a bodysuit. Although, did you get... Okay, so I watched this um, not on, uh, like, normal cable. I use, like, a streaming service. Yeah. So it's not, like, it's not edited. It's not censored for cable TV. So did you, the version that you watched, did you get the comment from uh, from Brooklyn that um, Michelle Visage was like, well, that's going to be edited out? I don't know. I can't remember. It was about the bodysuit and it was about um the icicles. Oh yes, no, we did get that. We did get that. You did. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, if this is airing on cable TV, like would that be edited out or not? <laughs> no, no, we did get that one in the UK. Okay, fair well, enough. Well, the... if you don't know what we're talking about, go and listen to what they call that, those icicles. I, I think a lot of what um it is considered not appropriate for TV over in the Americas. It's pretty tame for here. Yeah, I mean, I would say that, especially like, I think that, you know, there's less, uh, I don't know, censorship ar- around things related to sex. And like Europe in general, I think is just like less taboo about that. Yeah. Um, but in Canada, I have found recently there is definitely more swearing on TV than than there ever has before. I'm not really sure uh, if it's the same in the US or not, but uh, things are starting to get more, you know, like <laughs> just like get a little bit less uptight it's on what they show on TV. It's just swear words. It's just swear words. I don't really use um, them that much, but they're just swear words. Oh, I like, I definitely have sworn in this episode, I'm sure. <laughs> I I swear like a sailor. And the if the if our if our um episodes are rated explicit, it's my fault. I'm so sorry. It's literally <laughs> never I'm me. I'm the is only it? one who swears. No, it's never you, never once. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Um, so the ball. Jimbo. I'm devastated. I knew you would be. I know, I am sad too. I I am sad. I think she she deserved to go to the end. And I can't believe, honestly, that the two that I thought were most likely to go home in not even the ball episode, but in the episode before this one, Bobo and Priyanka are in the finals. Yeah. I mean, what I'm fast learning as of late with all series of Drag Race, so All Stars, the last season of Drag Race America, Drag Race UK, and Canada's drag race is that my taste in drag kind of lean towards a more freaky side of drag and a yeah. more out there camp cabaret side of drag. And it seems to me lately drag race has been very fashion forward. Yeah, they definitely love their look queens. I feel like, okay, so they have, generally speaking, they have the look queens that are like the Instagram queens, the real fashion forward, like model looking queens. Yeah. And then I th- they have the, the comedy queens. 
And then they have the sometimes the comedy queens and the sort of like freaky queens. They overlap a little bit. Um, but Bianca. there is. Uh, <laughs> What's that? Bianca Del Rio. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or like Jinx. I called her Jinx Montrese last time, but <laughs> Jinx Monsoon is one that I would consider both sort of a comedy queen and also an oddball queen. So good live as um, well. Oh, really? Yeah. You've seen her live. Yeah. Um, and then you have like the pageant queens, right? And so I think that honestly, I don't know if it is intentional or not, if they're like looking to get some good diversity amongst those group and the winners but i do find that they kind of go through periods where it's like okay well we've just had a comedy queen let's have a look queen and now we've just had a look queen let's have sort of like a freaky you know oddball like a sharon needles type you know yeah. um, i mean i guess we did have evie kind of- oddly recently but then we've gone from evie who's freaky to jd essence hall who's pageant right but then we had shay who's pageant i mean i think shay completely deserved the win and she has shown more than just pageant, at least. I do think that All Stars is kind of, like, separate and apart from, like, I don't think that they kind of necessarily, you know, kind of rotate through the different types of queens as much. It's kind of like, in All Stars, I really think that it just comes down to, um, I don't know. Like, I think, I'm gonna, I almost feel like it is, All Stars is better at just going for the best, the best queen yeah. based on merit. And um, I think that the the regular season tends to kind of like go for more of a mix. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'm generalizing, but so, um, okay. So let's talk about the three that we have here. This is the first, uh, you know, Canadian uh, drag race. So I feel like we aren't necessarily uh, going to be influenced by past. Nope uh winners from you know from the u.s season so okay we have rita bega priyanka scarlet bobo yeah thoughts um i don't think scarlet can win Mm. um yeah she did well with the judges in the ball challenge as i've already said i wouldn't have said hers were the best looks yeah um for me, I think Rita's going to take the crown. I mean, going on track record. Yeah. She's shown, shown the most diversity in her wins. She's. I agree. Uh, but yet I don't want her to. I don't know. She's just not. She doesn't do it for me. Do you, who are you rooting for? Well, I guess if I'm going by the queen that I like the best, then I'd be rooting for Priyanka. I like Priyanka best like as a personality, as like as a person, you know, I find her funny and I find her very endearing and like I really like her. Um, But if we talk about report card, then Rita Bega has it for sure. I mean, like Rita Bega, I think, is a more polished queen than Priyanka or Bobo for that matter. I think that she would not be undeserving of the win. She just doesn't like, I don't know. When they did the puppets and they had to like sort of make fun of the queen, she just repeated verbatim of- what um, Jimbo exactly. said. Exactly, and then like so perfectly. I can't remember who had her. Was it Priyanka or I don't know? But like whoever had her, the read on her was like you know her non-existent personality, and I feel that <laughs> <laughs> like I feel like she doesn't. She just doesn't make me laugh or smile or you know. She's a good polished queen, but I just don't like her all that much. No, that's fair. I'm neutral. I don't dislike yeah. her either. Um, 
I'll be happy if Priyanka wins because I get Adore Delano energy from her. I don't know who that is. You don't know Adore Delano from Drag Race, same season as Bianca Del Rio? Party. I'm a Libra. I'm like, <laughs> I feel like I would know her if you showed um, me a picture. Right. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> The frequency of disappointing <laughs> of disappointing you in this episode has reached in like a new she, high. she was like, I've got hog body. <laughs> um <laughs> Would you recognize a more I mean, outer drag or in drag? In in drag. In drag. Also, like this impression that you're doing, I mean I'm here for it. <laughs> if she sounds at all like this, then I love her. Yeah, I think that's an iconic picture of her. My mom's a chola. <laughs> <laughs> um I can't believe <laughs> you, you don't remember her. I'm shocked. <laughs> I don't. Right. I haven't seen, I mean, no, that's that's not true. I have seen every season, I think. Yeah, she was one of the um, top four on Bianca's season. Right. I've just sent you two on Facebook Messenger. Okay, let me look. Oh, yes, I recognize yeah. her. <laughs> so when she was like saying to her, Bianca, because Bianca so, sort of took her under her wing. I was like, you're secretly nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that now. She was not, um, like, one that was, like, terribly memorable for me, obviously. <laughs> but I know, I know. But I recognize her now that you sent me her picture. I have such a bad memory. Yeah. I I mean, I still don't understand how Darien Lake got to the final of that competition of that year. Yeah, I'm just not going to comment you're not a fan of Darian Lake I don't remember oh you don't remember Darian Lake that's probably worse than not being a fan what's that not remembering Darian Lake is probably worse than not being a fan right I'm really bad with names I feel like you and all of our listeners know this by now that like my memory is spotty and that I'm terrible with names um my short-term memory is good but my long-term memory is not great um but so I will take your word on that one. <laughs> there we go. Right. So. Well, Jimbo, it was fun while it lasted. I did think that the critiques for Jimbo about the white makeup, we've talked about that yeah. before. It's not my favorite. Um, But I thought her looks were good. I think um, his looks were, uh, Jimbo's looks were better than Rita's. I generally thought yeah. Rita was going to go because when Rita stopped lip syncing and spent 15 seconds of cutting herself out of the dress. I know. I was like, you're not lip syncing. Get out. Yeah. And then. Wait, was it? Okay. Who did Lemon lip sync against? Did I get um, those two mixed up? Lemon lip synced against Rita Bagger as well. So it's Rita's second week oh, okay. in the bottom two. Second week in a row. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because I was like, I I felt for sure that, um, that Rita lip synced. Last week, too. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know. But She's not my tops. Plus side, we got that iconic exit from Jimbo. I love that. going to be up that. there with Vanjie. I know. I know. I loved it. And, like, the judges laughed so hard. I loved having Michelle Visage uh, guest judging. Yeah. Like, I mean, I like the Canadian judges. I know that not everyone does, but I do. But, like, Michelle Visage just, like, brought it to a different level. Yeah. You know? She just, I really like her as a judge, even though she can be the, she's the Simon Cowell of the judging panel, but, like, someone has to be, and I like that. I'd be okay if they brought her in as the nasty judge. 
Yeah. Because the, the problem with uh, Jeffrey Boyle Chapman, who's been playing up the nasty judge role a bit more than Brooklyn, and um, oh gosh, I've forgotten her name. Um, Stacy has just been delightfully charming every episode. Yes. Right. Um, she's been like Bendela Creme levels of sort of terminally delightful. <laughs> yes. Um, I do know who that is. You remember Bendela? That's good. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm voting for Dela. <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> um but yeah um, i i i would be not unhappy with michelle being a permanent judge on the next one and having a, a four permanent uh judges and then a, a fifth guest host because there's been times there's been five people on the panel for drag race us yeah it's not unheard of yeah. and then jbc can just be himself a bit more rather than what seems to be playing a character that doesn't seem natural. Yeah, I mean, like, I do feel like there is, um, I don't know, a snideness that, you know, like, it's kind of, um, I don't know, like, Michelle Visage can be a bitch. Can I say that? Yeah. Um, but she, but she owns it. And like, she's not, it's just like, it is what it is here. Here are my comments. And then I feel like, um, uh, the Canadian judges, not, not just Jeffrey, but like, they do have like a snide undertone that I think that people generally find off putting. I don't mind it to be honest, but, um, but I do, I don't like this Canadian judging panel as much as I like the US one. Like Ross, I love Ross. I do love Michelle Visage. I love like the, you know, the the regular yeah. judges in the in the US. Um I I thought she just brought a little something that that the Canadian judges just a certain je ne sais quoi. Yeah. That like I they they just don't give me. Yeah, I I get that. Um I think she's kind of over the years she's been doing drag race since I think she joined season four. I think when she went to go from Mill. Uh she's kind of had, you know, well thir- thirteen or something silly in including um Drag Race UK and All Stars. She's had that many seasons to kind of bed in her character. People know yeah. what to expect from her. Whereas uh Jeffrey Boyle Chapman coming out straight out of the year uh, stops. And coming in yeah. with the same sort of critiques that Michelle would give, get getting a bit of a harsher rap for it. Yeah. Than because everyone's like, you're not the nice Jeffrey we're seeing on All Stars. Right. Yeah. And I think that's probably a part of the problem that we've kind of known, thought we knew what to expect from Jeffrey from his appearances in the in the Bitchula and then off Snatch Game. Yeah. Yeah. You know, fair enough, but. Um... In in general, I mean, I liked these two episodes. This season has definitely grown on me. Like the first couple episodes, I was like, you I don't know sure, about this, guys. No, and now I I def I really enjoyed them. Uh, I will watch season two. I will continue to watch Canada's Drag Race, um, and uh, I'm excited for for the finale. Though you know, less it's so. It's not who I expected to be in it. Yeah. Uh, also, Brooklyn really needs to stop telling everybody what she would have done. If she'd won Drag mm-hmm. Race US, she could have told us what she would have done. Right. <laughs> I 
I mean, fair. <laughs> God, she's been looking gorgeous. Oh, yeah. Gorgeous. So much vers- more vers- versatility than she showed in Drag Race. Yeah, and she probably has a hair and makeup oh, yeah. team now. Like, like Rude, <laughs> who does not appear in yeah, drag exactly. if somebody else isn't doing it for him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if season two, uh, if Brooklyn comes out in like a Mexican wrestling mask, we'll know that the pan- <laughs> the pandemic <laughs> did did a job on her glam team. <laughs> right. So I think we should leave it there. Wrap up things up. And okay. we shall go away and watch the 2017 Eurovision Song Contest. Yes. Looking forward to it. And we'll chat with you next time. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs>